Welcome to the Agents Who Crush It in Real Estate podcast, where you'll hear the good, the bad, and the ugly of how real estate agents overcame challenges and grew their business. Check out the episode notes at crushitinre.com slash podcast. Here's your host, Anthony Lamacchia. Hey, everybody. I'm excited to be here with an old friend, Mr. Jonathan Steingraber, and he is down in New Jersey. Hello, sir. What's up, Anthony? Thanks for having me on. Hey, I'm excited to have you here with us, and I want to talk to you. You know, I, I told you before we came on, I have been interviewing a lot of agents, and I said, I need to bring some owners in, and you're the first one that we chose, uh, that Lauren and I chose to have on, because you've been through the whole journey. And you're a broker owner now, company with 300 agents, um, and your wife has a very powerful team, and you guys are famous now. I mean, you were just on The Real Housewife for a handful of episodes. <laughs> a great way to get famous, right? <laughs> I don't think we're famous, but maybe in, maybe in New Jersey and parts of the Northeast, but... That's funny. That's funny. Well, listen, my friend, I'm happy to have you on. Why don't you tell our audience, you know, where, where you are, what market you're in. Give, give us a quick lowdown. When you started in the business, give us a two-minute elevator speech. Sure. So, you know, I started the business back in 06. My wife started, I believe, 05. And, uh, you know, we met later on in our career. She actually founded this company called Signature Realty uh, back in 09. So we've been, um, we've been doing business together for about five, six years now. Uh, back when we met, we kind of partnered up. But I started out with rentals. I was a bartender in downtown Manhattan. And, uh, you know, I, I saw people that would come into the bar in downtown Manhattan and the people that would, you know, be well off either did stocks or real estate. And I said, stocks are a little volatile for my taste. I didn't really know anything about them. You know, I was really young. And uh, I said, let me do real estate. And I literally walked into a Barnes and Noble and uh, started reading some books on real estate. And, you know, one of the things that it said is get your real estate license. Yeah. Uh, and I started doing $900 rentals just so I could, you know, replace my income. And I primarily got started in the business for investing purposes. Uh, I flipped my first house and then I quit my bartending job. And, you know, fast forward, I met Michelle. Uh, I did some speaking around the country and in Canada uh, on real estate investing and, uh, you know, kind of mostly, you know, tax education, real estate investing, and a couple of those topics uh, around some personal development as well. And that training experience that I've gotten really helped us, you know, grow the real estate brokerage. And yet right now we just passed uh, 300 agents. We're at 301 and we're in the New Jersey market. We do all of New Jersey, all the way from, you know, South Jersey, all the way up to North Jersey, uh, right close to New York. And yeah, we, we focus mostly on residential. We do a little commercial. That's fantastic. And it's funny, I just had someone on in New Jersey, an agent who's on a team up there. And he was a barber and, I, and now he's a successful agent on a team. And I said, I find that people that were barbers, waitresses or bartenders kick ass in this business because they have the people skills. And that's half the battle in this business. As you know, you've helped people with personal development. I know you're also involved in um, flipping and in real estate investing. You and I have had some conversations about that, but let's stick with the journeys for now. So you did rentals. Then you must have at some point got into sales and then tell me the story. She started the company, you were investing. Let's walk, walk us through that a little bit. Yeah, I actually, because of getting into the real estate investing, you know, uh, field, I started doing a lot of short sales and REOs. Me too. Kind of coincidentally, right? It just happened because of that time period. I started in 06 and then everything crashed and um, 
we started doing short sales and helping people out of foreclosure. And that's how I became a realtor. I mean, I hated it. I hated it. I, I mean, I quit being an REO agent. And I'll tell you a quick story. Uh, I was in an REO. It was nine o'clock at night. The asset management company called me um, after we let them know that this house got broken into. And they said, if you don't go lock up this house and secure it tonight, we're taking your entire account away from you. And I have like 40 listings at that point. Yeah. And you know, as an REO agent, you know, you work really hard. Yep. And you put utilities in your name, you do cash for keys, you do the whole bit. And uh, I was, I didn't want to lose my account. Right. And um, I went to this house and I, long story short, I got knocked out by this guy that was in the house. What? Ramsacked me into the door and I hit my head against the wall and came down and I was like out for a second. And that day I was like, this is not worth it. Um, I have to do something better than this. And that's when I decided to kind of shift away from, you know, doing the, you know, the, the foreclosures and, and, and things like that to, to doing something bigger. So that's kind of how that all started as an agent. It, it just kind of happened with the short sales. And, and then kind of fast forwarding, I did some retail business, did a lot of investments. And then, you know, my wife is really on the retail side. My yeah. wife is, you know, uh, one of the top agents in the state. And for her team last year, she was the number one, according to Real Trends. She sold 300 and something houses. Uh, so, you know, she's, she's a big team. Uh, well, not a big team, seven, seven team members on her team. So under 10 and, um, you know, then we, we decide to come together and say, let's, let's do this. Let's grow the company. Let's give agents what we feel there is a need for here. Um, and you'll be the producing broker and I'll be the operations person. I'll be the trainer. I'll be the developer. And, um, that's, that's kind of what we've done. It's been really good. Well, good for you. I remember my REO days and it's funny, our personalities are so similar. I got out of it as well. I remember in the winter of 2010, I was like, all right, this doesn't make a lot of sense. I'm flying to Dallas all the time, kissing ass to people in other states that, you know, it's one thing if it's relocation business where it's continuous and ongoing, but REOs is like a splash in the pan. So I started getting tired of it. We got a, rid of a bunch of accounts and then the, the last account that we kept, which was pretty good, fired us. So we were like, all right, we're done. This is over. Um, we did a lot of short sales, a lot of regular retail sales, and we just grew it from there. But good for you guys coming together and you know focusing on what you're best at. I know you said your wife's team did over 300 sales. A lot of those were over a million dollars, $2 million, a lot of high end she does, right? Yeah, she does a lot of luxury listings. And you know she didn't start out that way. She was doing condos in her first year. She was a secretary for this independent brokerage. And then she started opening up the commission checks and depositing them. And she said, what am I doing making $7 an hour? Yeah. And, you know, she would see these agents kind of sitting around. She's like, wait a second, if they can do it, I can do it. And uh, that's how she kind of got started in the business. So I got started through investing. She got started because she was a secretary at a real estate office. And, um, you know, she was also in the hospitality, you know, she bartended for a little bit. So it's funny that you said that before. I'm telling you, it's, I see it all the time with agents and it's, it really comes down to, I mean, you know, you're helping train people. Heck, you guys have done our training. And yeah, if you get someone that can talk, it's three quarters of the battle in this business. And when I say talk, I don't mean bullshit people, but just be personable, be likable, be caring. And you know, you obviously have all those traits as does your wife. And then you bring agents in and you just teach them to do it and teach them the game. 
Yeah. And the journeys, you know, wasn't, it wasn't easy as you know, you know, you start out small and you can't really be small. Yeah. You get in the middle and you're like, you can't really be in the middle. No. Right. Because you're, you, you know, you're competing and it just doesn't make sense. So we actually seeked out, you know, uh, coaches and trainers like yourself. And we, we hired you because I was like, all right, Anthony's growing his company. How do we model other people? Tony Robbins talks about modeling and, you know, obviously you put your own twist on it, but I learned a lot from you. And I was quite honestly inspired by all the, all your energy and all the things that you've been doing and you still see it. I, I, I was like, I hope Anthony Lamakia never comes into New Jersey because if he does, I'm going to have to like really step up my game. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to have to join him. Like we're going to have to do it together because uh, I'm like, I would never want to be in a market where Anthony Lamakia is because his his energy, you're just nonstop and you're going and going and going, but it's inspiring and it's helped me kind of take my business to a new level along with a couple other things that I've done as well. So, well, you you worked with John Cheplak as well, and John helped you, he helped me. And you know, John helped me a lot with learning the recruiting game and understanding the recruiting game and understanding what's in the agent's heads. Because you know, I mastered the art, as you know, of knowing what buyers and sellers are thinking and how to convert them. John mastered the art of recruiting, and now he just duplicates and teaches people. And you were a great student of that. I mean, when you and I met, you had, I distinctly remember, about 80 agents. And now you've got 300 and that wasn't that long ago. It's not like we've known each other forever. Three years ago, maybe? Well, in, since January, we recruited 150 agents this year. Wow. So we, we went from, you know, 150 to doubling um, from the end of the year to now. And uh, we're, we're growing at a pretty fast pace. But we're not, we're not really, we're not doing all the things that we, we should be doing. And we have a lot of work to do from a perspective of recruiting. We really just focus on the agents more than anything. Let's take a quick break and hear from Dave Carolee, the master of objection handling, as he teaches you how to overcome buyer and seller concerns. All right, so today we're gonna talk about what to do when a buyer tells you on the phone that they're only interested in that original property that they reached out on. Again, we all know that's true. It's probably less than 1% of people actually buy the original home they inquired on. But when somebody tells you that, first and foremost, tell them you'd be happy to show them that house, right? At least give the opportunity to get yourself in front of them. But go a little deeper, so I'd be happy to show you that house. But let me ask, what, what is it that it draws you to that one so much? There's a lot of other homes in that neighborhood. What's it about that particular home, right? If, you know, grandma lives across the street or they've been dying to get on that particular neighborhood for a while, again, show them that property. But a great question you can ask folks is, I know of a couple other similar homes in that neighborhood. If any are potentially a better value, would you like to see them at the same time? Boom, instead of showing them just one property, now you have the opportunity to show them a few properties and I'll be with them even a little bit longer, but that's really a good way to flush it out. Mr. Buyer, if that identical home came on the market two streets over for $20,000 less, would you want to know about it? And it's really going to guide you to their motivation and whether they truly do just want that home, or again, or whether they're just, you know, it's one of their defense mechanisms. Thanks, Dave. Now let's get back to the show. That's right. Now talk about some of the, I mean, heck, none of us are doing everything we should be doing in mass. I mean, that's running a business. You're always, you know, working on solving things, but talk to us about some problem along the way with building the brokerage. Cause what you said is very accurate. And I've said this to friends, if you are running a brokerage model, you can't be small unless you're doing it like a team. You can't run a true brokerage model and be profitable. If you're small, you've got to scale and 
I want you to talk about some of those things along the way. Now you said you seeked out trainers and I appreciate the credit, but what other things operationally or internally did you realize like, wow, this is a problem. I got to make a change. I got to do something different. Yeah. I mean, so I think number one is setting up that foundation and we continually build on our foundation, right. To be able to scale, to provide the support and the training. We're really, we, we do support from 9am to 7pm uh, Monday through Friday, and then Saturday and Sundays, we have a, a limited schedule as well. So that support I thought was always important. Um, but I think, you know, if I could share some, you know, some things that I really pivoted and said, all right, this helped me is my daily huddles internally. So we do a daily huddle every day at 10 a.m. We just, you know, right before this call, we did one. And that has helped us tremendously stay in communication and having a cadence of, hey, what's our annual goal? What are our quarterly goals? What are our monthly goals? And then from our monthly goals, we, we basically set up what our weekly goals are. And then daily we say, okay, what are we gonna do today? And we have, um, we don't have our own software. Um, we use um, a, a management system called clickup.com. It's like, it's very inexpensive. It's really great for managing this whole process and other to-dos and tasks. So that's kind of what we've used and that's helped a lot just being in communication setting those goals and then doing weekly training so we do two weekly trainings um, for our agents and we do four open virtual office hours that framework that structure that organization of everything has allowed us to stay lean where we're not you know we don't have a ton of employees but at the same time we're able to support the agents um, in a pretty big way. How many employees do you have, Jonathan? Um, including, including me, we have four. Wow. That's a, that's a very low amount considering that many agents, but it sounds like you guys are very efficient and you've gotten it to work for, for your model. And, and clearly you're doing something right. Cause you've got all these people coming over. Yeah, no, it, it works. Um, should I have probably a few more people on staff? A hundred percent. It should probably be double of that right now. We just, everybody knows what we're trying to build and everybody, I, I'm not big on hiring first, growing second, which some people are. I just financially, I never wanted to put myself in that position, especially now that we're, you know, we're in an uncertain market in my opinion. So we said, let's grow and then let's hire. So right now we're hiring people and it's, it's, it's going to grow. So it's not like a, you know, that ratio is not accurate. Well, and yeah, I agree. It's, it's a low ratio, but you're getting into work and I know how hard you work and how dedicated you are to the agents. And as far as I'm concerned, they're lucky to have you as their broker uh, from what I can see. And you and I have been in touch and, you know, I wanted to tell you one time, and, and this goes to show the impact that people have on people. But one time at like nine o'clock at night, you texted me randomly and you're like, Hey dude, love all you're doing. You inspire me keep at it. And that little text made me like, shit, that's nice. And it felt good. And it's an example of how staying in touch with peers, staying in touch with friends, whether they're near or far is, is, is good for friendships, but it's good for business too. I mean, look at this interview we're doing, you know, you stayed top of mind with me and um, you know, and, and I think I've stayed top of mind with you and that stuff is necessary as you're growing. And it's important to, be staying in touch with people. So, okay, you got that system you put in place, you do a daily huddle. Um, you said you're doing two trainings a week. And one thing that I picked up on is you have set hours of support for the agents, which 
I think that's interesting because ours, I get a little concerned about. Some people on the staff side, I mean, they're nine o'clock on a Saturday night answering questions. And oftentimes, and I don't want to offend new agents because we both love them, but we were new ones. But oftentimes what they think is an emergency is not an emergency. I mean, attorneys aren't, we, we tell our agents on our Monday meetings, hey guys, this is our, you know, times if you're, if you're contacting us after that time, it's totally fine. Just don't expect a response until the next morning because attorneys aren't working at nine o'clock at night. You know, we've gotten texts, not texts because we do everything on our website through a live chat. So that's where all of our support goes. You're not allowed to call us. You're not allowed to text us and you're not allowed to email us. Everything is through the website. And the reason for that, Anthony, and, you know, we could talk about this outside of this because this kind of goes into, you know, the infrastructure of what we do, but we have what's called the help center. And a lot of questions we've already developed videos for and say, here's the video. And you can literally tap a couple buttons and then boom, it goes right to a video or an article that we've already created on all the frequently asked questions. Yep, yep. Well, and, and, and what you're doing there is forcing their hand to go get the information. We have something called knowledge and where all these articles are and videos and answers. And sometimes, you know, more than sometimes you get to tell, no, it's in knowledge, go look, go look. So you're kind of forcing them to do it and training them right, right from the beginning. And, you know, like I said, they're, they're lucky to have you doing that. Um, so that's interesting. So, okay, you're at 300 agents. You did, um, I mean, you, you guys are going to be more than doubling your commissions this year. You're going to be over 10 million in commissions this year. Yeah, I mean, right now we're on track to do 10 and a half million, which is, which is, I guess it's okay. I mean, for having that many agents, it's not really that good. But, you know, as you know, there's a lead time as agents come in, especially if they're newer, you know, to do some business. And um, yeah, so, so we're happy with it. I think it's going pretty good. We, we have a lot of work to do, like I said, but um, the support side is good. And that, that is... That, that's kind of the competitive advantage that I think we have in our market. And I'm sure that you have in your market because I could tell all the support and trainings that you guys do. Um, and also you, you've already taken the time to work on the business. You know, we've, you know, we've used your trainings before and our agents love it because it's, it's not always the new shiny object. It's yeah. all the fundamentals to build your foundation that are gonna be the needle movers. And that's what I've noticed when our agents have done your training is that they were, they were like, wow, this works like, like right away. Like yeah. I get off the training and then 10 minutes later, I'm doing what Anthony said on my phone call and boom, it's working. So we, you know, that, that's key. And, and as, a, as a leader, that's one thing that's always tough. It, being a trainer, like not giving people the minimum dose. If you give people an hour and a half training, they're not gonna watch it. Right, you got to break it down into small pieces, and you know that's something that I learned from you, which is great. Well, thank you for saying that. I appreciate it, and we always enjoy working with your agents very much. Um, tell me a little bit about the flipping business. Are you still doing it? Are you still buying and flipping properties, investments, or did you back off on it? Yeah, I mean, look, it's it's a tough market for inventory overall, especially for I think investors. But you know, sheriff sales are opening back up at any given time. I, I don't do a lot. I focus more on the brokerage now because uh, that's my highest and best use, and I'm passionate about it. But yeah, we do we do about ten or fifteen flips. I'm I'm getting more into the commercial side of the business and and buying and holding more properties. So that's really exciting. Good for you. Yeah, real estate's a good place to be. I mean, I, that's that's what I. I 
you know, when the pandemic hit last year, I put a little bit of money in different areas of the market and didn't do that well with it because I was a little too fast to get in. Um, and I look back and I'm like, I just stick with real estate. That's what I know. That's what I'm good at. And, you know, that's my jam. But good for you. Now, what's the goals moving forward with the brokerage? Um, we don't really share our goals publicly, but, you know, obviously, you know, growth and just continuing to work on our on our company. Um, you know, we, we, we definitely want to grow and scale, but my most important metric KPI, which I think every broker owner should have is, is, um, retention. Right. And I learned that from either you or John Chepblack, right. That your metric on recruiting, you should always be recruiting more than you're losing, of course, you know, but that, that is a a really good indicator of kind of how you're doing as a broker. And that's kind of what we focused on. Well, and that's, you're holding yourself accountable by doing that, yeah. right? Because, you know, I, I see these other brokerages, I mean, paying people to stay, paying people to join, but they do nothing for them. And I'm like, right. you know, when you do that, you're going to get people that are just desperate for a quick check um, or that are just using you. And, 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 right. and That's a house of cards. Yeah, I don't want that. You know, we want people that genuinely want to grow their business. So, and I know you guys share the same traits. Now, you know, the audience is wondering. How the hell did you guys end up on The Real Housewives? Give me the 60-second version of that because they're going to wonder. So how did we get on The Housewives of New Jersey? Um, it, it's funny that you asked that question. The way It, it kind of happened in, in a crazy way. My buddy Lenny uh, was doing a live event with uh, Joe Gorga. And yep. you know I put on a lot of live events and I have the biggest uh, real estate investment club in New Jersey. So... You know, Lenny and I had a meeting in his office in Somerset and Joe Gorga was actually there, right? So anyway, uh, Lenny was like, hey, we're doing a live event. You know, can you help us do it? And I said, yeah, sure. And I started, you know, giving them advice or whatever. And then Joe was like, I want you to be part of our event and partner with us. And I said, okay, no problem. Like, you know, but it has to be worth it for me. So, you know, what are we talking about? Like, what are the sales? Like, what are you trying to do? So long story short, we did a Grow with Gorga event together. I planned the whole thing. I sold a bunch of vendor memberships. Um, we basically did the whole event for them and did the whole agenda, managed all the speakers, basically revamped everything they were doing and threw everything out that they were doing because it wasn't good because they just didn't have the experience. And it was, a, it was a fairly successful event, right? For a first event, you, you expect to lose money or break even. This yeah. one actually made like, I don't know, uh, 39,000 bucks or something like that. And our deal was to split it you know, one third each. Yeah. And um, anyway, I never got that money. And that was actually highlighted on the TV show. And Michelle listed Joe Gorga's sister's house, Teresa. Okay. So I don't know how that happened, but, you know, they wanted to film that, that Michelle was listing Teresa's house because it's yeah. a big part of her life, right? Listing the house that she grew up in and was married or not grew up in, but raised her kids in and was married in and all that stuff. So long story short, they started shooting and, one time Michelle was invited to like a dinner party and they said, Oh, what do you think about Melissa and Joe? And, and Michelle just mentioned like, well, you know, we don't really talk to them because Joe owes my husband money and he never paid him and forget it from there. They were like, all right, we're going to, we're going to keep filming this because it's drama. Oh, right? yeah. So that's kind of, you know, what ended up happening. It was strictly real estate and events. And then it ended up that they wanted to film parts of that. They actually filmed grow with Gorga event too. That's funny. That's it's, uh, it's all good. Like, I don't really care to me. It's, you know, 
you know, if, if you don't, if you don't pay somebody a little bit of money on something to me, it's, you know, that shows the character and yeah. it's a cheap way to not have to do anything else with that person. If that's the way that they're going to be. And that's, that's what, that's what they made the whole show about, which was crazy. Yeah. Which you didn't think was going to happen. It, it's not a big deal. Like, but they made it a big deal because they don't have any storylines and that was a good storyline for them. Of course. Of course. Well, that's funny. Thank you for sharing. And listen, I'm thrilled to have you on. How could people get in touch with you or follow you um, on Instagram or wherever else? Sure. Yeah, I I go on. I do a lot of Instagram. Um, I say a lot, but I I should do it better. Steingraber John. I know it's tough, but it's Steingraber, my last name, J-O-N on Instagram. Um, And, you know, if you're in the Jersey market and you want to check out our company, it's SignatureRealtyNJ.com. Awesome. My friend, thanks very much for coming on. I appreciate it. And uh, we'll be talking again soon. Awesome. Thank you, Anthony. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us on the Agents Who Crush It in Real Estate podcast. We hope you've learned some valuable takeaways. Be sure to take action and grow your business. You can check out the episode notes and more content from the show at crushitinre.com slash podcast. And if you like this episode and you'd like to hear more stories, please share with others. Post on social media or leave a rating or review. To catch all the latest from Anthony, you can follow him on Instagram at Crush It In Real Estate on Facebook and YouTube. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.